Welcome to What's a Beautiful Life Anyway. I'm your host, Jill Bennett. This is the channel that shares ideas to help you live your best life. Because life can be beautiful if you live consciously. Welcome to episode 51 of What's a Beautiful Life Anyway. Hazel Jones is on a mission to help you break free from self-sabotage, heal a past trauma, escape the clutches of narcissistic abuse, or liberate yourself from the aftermath of a painful divorce. These experiences may be impacting you in more ways than you realize, perhaps through excessive or binge drinking, comfort eating, anxiety, phobias, procrastination, or a debilitating lack of confidence. Hazel's mission is to share her knowledge and wisdom. She combines the best elements of various approaches that she's learned over over lots of years of study and practice, and she can share with you the very tools and skills she personally uses daily. So if you, um, sorry, so that you can have the most effective solutions. Hazel's clients have described her as an inspiration, a wise confidant, and a compassionate ally. Today, we'll focus on um, your relationship with yourself and self-sabotage. Hi, Hazel. Hi there. It's really nice to be here. Oh, it's so nice to have you with us today. Hazel and I are in a a coaching group together, and um, and that's how we met. And Hazel's in a beautiful part of the country, nice, lovely, beautiful rural Wales. Mm -hmm. And, um, And I'm in Mallorca today. So both surrounded by beautiful countryside, I think, which is lucky. Yeah, yeah. both in our happy places. Both in our very happy places, yeah. So Hazel, to get us started, tell us all about your background and, and what, what led you to where you are today. Well, it was a number of things, really, Jill. Um, a few years ago, I suppose the crux of it is I've had quite a few challenges in life. Who hasn't? Um Sometimes friends say I've had more than my fair share, but hey-ho, that's just how it goes, isn't it? Um, But about, gosh, about 15 years ago, I was in a position, I was in a very stressful corporate job. I was a square peg in a round hole. I had always done public service, you know, I have a background in nursing and... um, And then to go into the corporate world was a bit of a shock for me. And I didn't really fit in, but I tried to. And, you know, I I had quite a a strong bullying manager. I was in a very unhappy, controlling marriage. And it just all came together to create the perfect storm. And I had a complete mental break. I just stopped functioning. So I thought, well, you know, this is a massive warning. So I went to the doctors. The doctor said I can't help you with this and my heart just sank and I thought oh no and she said no you need different help and so recommended therapy I must admit I was a bit reluctant I hadn't known anyone who had had therapy to me therapy was something that the likes of Amy Winehouse had or you know rich celebs not people like me you know I'd always been a coper I'd always been a strong person I was the one that sorted things out when things fell apart in the family you know and so for me to now admit that you know what I'm I'm not doing so well here I need help was a huge thing Mm -hmm. um but I kind of bit the bullet and went for therapy and it was the best thing I have ever done in my life I won't say it was easy it was the hardest thing I had ever done but it was the best it literally was a lifesaver and it was life-changing and so when I finished that therapy I thought I want to be able to do this for other people 
Um, so that's when I started studying neuroscience. I did a life coaching diploma, um, my hypnotherapy, my part therapy, and all the other things that I use in my practice now. Um, so, yeah, and looking back now, you know, I mean, I got divorced. My divorce finally came through two years ago after five years of trying to get it done. Um, and I moved from Surrey up to Wales. So I have my own house. I've met a new partner. And all of those, I look back at all of those challenges now, and it was almost like they were necessary, that yeah. they needed to happen to make the person I am now. Um, so I'm grateful. Um, yeah. Early yeah. It's funny. And sorry if there's a dog barking. I don't know. I know Zoom's really good at cutting out background noise, but I think he's making such a noise. I think there's <laughs> a car just pulled on the drive. And he, if the dog turns around, there's a door here. But there we are. Um, yeah, I think sometimes we do need to go through things. And, and I always think that everything happens for a reason. And we've all, we're all on this life journey that we've chosen to take, you know, although we won't remember it before we came into this body, we chose to take a particular path in life. And it's things that we need to go through. So yeah, you're right. I, I think everybody has challenges in life. And sometimes there's, there's, there are people who seem to have much less than others, and, and some just have very challenging times. But I think you will always end up being stronger and and almost a better person for it. So I think so. I think that what doesn't break you makes you strong is true, but with the caveat of as long as you have the support and resources you need. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I did. I've always had very strong friendships. I've always had good family support. And all of the skills and the resources that I learned going through my various therapy trainings stood me in good stead when I was going through the the last challenge I had, which was the the, the very high conflict divorce. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I was very, very lucky. And I, I know a lot of other people are not that lucky. They may not have the support, not through any fault of their own, but sometimes people around us can't support us. They don't have the resources or the understanding to do it. It's not that they don't want to, Sometimes they just can't. And I think you just have to accept that. And sometimes yeah. that help needs to come from somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. I think generally as women, we're probably a lot better than men in that we have close friendships. Mm. And yeah. usually as women, we can open up to our friends and our friends will be very supportive. Um, but you're right. I think often people need to reach out to someone more professional who can help them to, to get through whatever it is that they're um, that they're dealing yeah. with okay mm. now we know that people have traumas in their life but for those who are not sure what we mean when we talk about trauma what sort of things could that be well I think when people hear the word trauma they think about people in war zones or refugees or people who have been in you know huge car wrecks or something but really we can have traumas with a small t you know it's whatever your mind perceives it to be if your mind perceives an experience to be traumatic it's a trauma for you and there isn't a kind of sliding scale it's not that oh gosh you know you survived a bomb in Afghanistan, you know, all I've done is I was bullied in school. You know, there isn't a sliding scale for this. It's whatever your brain perceives it to be. If it's a trauma for you, it's a trauma for you. End of. So, you know, it's not to minimize things that happened. Um, 
but all it is really is is a kind of an unprocessed experience you know when we experience trauma not everybody will find trauma traumatic and I get a little bit annoyed when if there's something on the tv like after the Ariana Grande concert a reporter came on and said well of course all of these young girls will be traumatized now and I was shouting at the television they won't not necessarily if you have the support and the resources and the time to process a trauma our brains are very good at processing it and putting it where it needs to be a processed memory but sometimes we don't have that support or we don't have the resources all the time and that trauma doesn't get resolved doesn't get processed by the brain and so it's just that much too accessible and then that when that's when it comes up and triggers us um to feel unhappy happy, to feel anxious, to, you know, carry out unhelpful behaviours or risky behaviours. Um, but it can be resolved. You know, the, the, the work I do goes back to the trauma when people are safe to do it. First of all, you make sure they're safe. Um, go back to the trauma and just remove the emotional charge from it. Because if you remove the emotional charge, it just becomes a memory. Mm. That's all. You know, and then the brain can process it, it can commit it to long term memory, and that's all it is then. Yeah. Instead of, I mean, it's not just the emotional things that can happen, but, you know, a trauma that's never been dealt with can manifest itself in in many different illnesses and things, can't it? Quite soon. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. You know, there's lots of evidence that things like eczema, asthma, arthritis, you know, um, the autoimmune diseases may be linked to unresolved traumas. Yeah, yeah. Well, certainly my parents separated and divorced when I was, they separated when I was 11 and divorced when I was 12. And it was quite, you know, to this day in my 60s, I can remember the day they broke up. And Mm -hmm. um, I ended up within a couple of months of it happening, having asthma, I've never had mm. asthma in my life before. So I really think trauma can can spark these sorts of things off. And, and it was many years later when I finally got round to, you know, having the right therapy to help me release the trauma. Yes, yes. Skin allergies, addictions, you know. You don't realise that it's causing anything. Mine was sort of a self-sabotage thing. Um Okay. But I think in the Western, I think in the Western world, we kind of separate body and mind. You know, like oh, our mind is this thing up here, and then our body is something separate. It isn't at all. They're talking all the time, communicating all the time. You know, and sometimes I was talking to somebody the other day that has really awful eczema, and she's putting herself under a lot of stress, and it's like your body's shouting at you. Listen to it. Yeah, mm. the whole the whole mind gut axis. People don't realize how important. Absolutely, your gut, your gut health, and if your gut's unhealthy, you're going to you can end up with problems in your head. You know what you're thinking, what you're feeling, whether you're not sleeping, and mm. if you're depressed, it can be affecting your gut. And this whole access yeah. needs to be sorted out. And often, an unhealthy gut will manifest in eczema. Mm. You know, the inside really, really does affect the outside. Absolutely does, yeah. Uh, yeah. So many of us, Hazel, have an unhealthy or toxic relationship with ourselves. How does something like that manifest? Lots of ways, Jill. And I think sometimes people don't think about it. They think about the relationship they have with other people and how to nurture those. But we sometimes don't nurture the relationship with ourselves. You know, a lot of people have a very well, we all have a critical inner voice. That's quite normal. 
that's we evolved to have this this um you know voice telling us about all the threats in the world all the scary things in the world you know it, it's that's why we're here we're survivors because of that but for some people that voice gets very very loud um and so it can really limit them in what they do and you know it, a lot of it is just stories it's just the subconscious saying oh be careful there's a threat out there you know um yeah. watch out and it's firing the alarm bell at the wrong times. We forget that our subconscious only knows what we tell it. It's in the dark in there. It, it has no clue what's going on. No. Whatever we tell it, it will believe. You know, we're presenting the world to it. So, yes. you know, and, and sometimes we tell ourselves these very unhelpful stories. So toxic self-relationship, you, you know, the signs I would be looking out for would be things like this very negative inner chatter that really does limit actions, cause social phobias, um, anxiety attacks. It might be things like binge eating, uncontrolled drinking, risk-taking, risky sex, yeah. um, poor relationships, you know, sabotaging relationships, yeah. you know, repeatedly having failed relationships, um, you know, and just generally not looking after ourselves. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that makes absolute sense. And you're right, our, our subconscious mind is more power, much, much, much more powerful than our conscious mind. And oh. yeah, we need to tell it positive things all the time, not negative things, and and help it to, to see the point. I mean, with every trauma and bad thing that happens in your life, you should always look and find what something positive or a lesson you can learn from it. Just sort of re rephrase it all so that you can accept it in a different way um that can yeah, really yeah. help and we do you know i think a lot of people don't realize how powerful the subconscious is mm -hmm. um you know we think that we're logical thinking human beings we're not at all our subconscious is driving our behavior then we justify it with logic yeah, yeah. two-step process you know we justify things um yeah. with our with our you know prefrontal cortex our thinking our intellectual bit but the subconscious is driving the bus all yeah. the time yeah. but you see that's a good thing because that means we have this very powerful tool that if we know how to tap in to change the way it reacts to things to change how we perceive things then we can change our world literally yeah. which is the power and, and, and one of the things you do. Hypnotherapy is such a powerful process to change the unconscious mind. Mm. Um, I It once explained to me when I was at a conference and there was some inspirational speaker on the stage, and he said that if you imagine a, a massive hotel complex carpeted throughout where your foot is sitting now, is is the size of your conscious mind and the carpet throughout the rest of this massive hotel complex is the unconscious mind and i just for those people who, who think in pictures i think that was quite yeah. a really you know a good metaphor a good way of, of understanding that it is yeah it is indeed how can we identify if we have a toxic relationship with ourselves i think tuning in to those inner voices in tuning into that inner chatter we sometimes kind of let it run in the background and we don't really stop and think about what am I thinking now? Why am I behaving like this? What am I thinking? 
And is this helpful? So, you know, listening to that inner chatter, is there a, a, a recurring story, a kind of not good enough story? I shouldn't be here story. You know, I have no right to be here story um, that runs through. Is there a thread that runs through? So that's the kind of internal dialogue, really. And we all have an internal dialogue. Uh, and if that's overly negative, but also looking up for the signs in our behaviour as well, you know, uh, have there been a lot of failed relationships? Um, you know, are you binge eating uh, or or not eating properly, looking after yourself? Are you drinking too much? Do you feel driven to overexercise? You know, exercise we know is good, but it's not good if you're driven, if you're obsessed by it. Okay. Um, you know, then there's something going on. You know, are you not controlling your emotions? Are you feeling lots of overwhelm? And like the world is just such a difficult place to be, really, that you're not coping with things. Um, and just generally not looking after ourselves. You know, if you notice that you're not eating well, you're not doing the things that you know you should be doing, then why are you not doing that? You know, if this was your best friend, your lover, uh, a, a beloved family member you would do it for them why are you not doing it for yourself um so you know it's it's all those kind of signs yeah yeah no that's, that's really really good what can we do if we've identified that we've got a behavior that's probably means we're not very kind to ourselves and we have a bad relationship with ourselves what can we do to stop that and and maybe stop it ha repeating itself and happening again and again well the way I work and when I work with people um, with a poor self-relationship is first of all um, acknowledging it and having some self-compassion uh, one of the rules of working with me is first of all you have some self-compassion is be patient be kind with yourself you're doing this for a reason it's just a cope whatever you're doing it's a coping mechanism that's all nothing more don't blame yourself and don't beat yourself up for doing this. You're doing whatever you can to cope with whatever is, you know, in your life. And so, you know, have teaching somebody to have a self-compassion break. You know, what am I feeling right now? Expanding that out to normalize it. Well, anybody in my position would feel this. It, you know, so I'm not that unusual. What can I do now that would be most helpful for me? So, you know, being Compassionate is one of the first things I would say with anybody if you're having this these kind of problems. The second thing then is to get to the bottom of that. What's causing it? What's driving that? You know, is it a past unresolved trauma? Is it a very unhelpful self-belief? Is it past experiences and events that you haven't dealt with that, you know, that are cropping up and, and really, um, you know, tripping you up? And it may be that you've had not very supportive environment growing up or you know in your life that you you haven't learned these resources you haven't learned these skills nothing wrong with you you just you've never been taught them um you know and it's it's also getting a bit of a reality check really stopping listening to those voices that come from someone else you know so if you have a lot of needs musts have tos ought to got to in your language that's not your voice. That's somebody else's voice. That's somebody else telling you that. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's dealing with that as well. And then so get get into the to the core problem, really. And then, like I say, with compassion, with kindness, with patience, 
And then, you know, if it's a trauma, then resolving the trauma, but also having other resources to deal with things like anxiety. You know, even when the trauma is resolved and put in its rightful place, sometimes people have learned to be anxious about that. And so it's unlearning anxiety, really. It's understanding anxiety and then unlearning it and having some resources to cope with it. In some cases, to live with it. You know, I've been anxious all my life, I realised when I started studying anxiety. I was an anxious child, but it doesn't stop me. Even though I sometimes suffer anxiety, it doesn't stop me living my life. It doesn't stop me enjoying my life. It's just another emotion. That's all it is, putting it in its rightful place. We give it far too much weight. Yeah, yeah, it's learning to manage it. and, And as you say, accept it's part of your life and have those tools that help you manage it in the best way for you and no two tools will work identically for two people you know you need to find the ones that work for you which is that's absolutely right and I say that to clients when I'm working with them you know I say I will give you these tools some of them you'll love others you don't just like any other toolbox throw away the ones that don't work keep the ones that do Um, but yeah really good advice really I remember meeting a lady once at a networking event and I can't remember how we got into conversation. And she said how much ang- her anxiety she had. And she said, I catastrophize everything in my head. And she said, and, and I've had to see specialists. And she said, now I'm allowed to sit for an hour a day, or half an hour a day or whatever it was. You know, at this time, every day I sit down and worry about everything. And the rest of the time, I'm not allowed to think about it. And she, it really worked for her having that. Yes dedicated worry time really yes Um, yes it can it can work very well I've worked with people that that has worked for you know this isn't my worry time my worry time is that time yeah and then very often when you get to that time then it's like well actually I'm not worried about it anymore yeah yeah which is good isn't it and the whole thing about lack of worthiness is another one that I find so many people a lot of people can voice it that they feel that but I know you know, especially me at one stage, I would never have been able to say I'm not worth it or and then mm. then I started thinking about some of the things I did and some of the things I said. And I thought ultimately that all boils down to a, an unconscious feeling that I'm not worthy. So I think it's yeah. only by having therapy that you can identify these things. And it's then yeah. that you, think, you, you know, will you will be leaking that you know you will be leaking that in your language yes it's listening out for the things that out. are you know yeah you know or, or even in your behavior you know you you're quite happy to spend money on somebody else buy them lovely gifts but you wouldn't do it for you yeah you know things like that you spend time looking after other people but you don't look after you yeah yeah you know it's so, really important isn't it yeah. to listen to it and I know with the the exercise I do now I quite often will get to, you know, an hour before class and I think, oh, God, I don't want to do this. But I know I'm going to feel wonderful afterwards and I'll drag myself there. (laughs) And it always, you know, it's always works. Whereas in the past, I'd have told myself, oh, God, I'm too busy. I'll cancel that class. I won't go to that class. But no, I drag myself there now. (laughs) Good for you. No, good for you. Prioritise yourself. Because, you know, it's that old saying, you can't pour from an empty vessel. Yeah, put the oxygen mask on yourself first. It's right, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, they're all true. Good advice, Hazel. Let's have a think about self-sabotage then, because I guess this is sort of very similar. 
But how does that, you know, what is it and how does that manifest in people? Well, one way it manifests is in relationships. You know, I um, have a friend and for the longest time she had a series of failed relationships. But when you looked at the people she was having a relationship with, it was never going to work. Mm. It could never work. And there was a pattern and it's like, well, it wouldn't be her fault. Oh, it's not my fault. You know, I'm no good at relationships. She's excellent at relationships. She's as good as anybody else at relationships. But that kind of self-sabotaging meant that she just went for the people, that it was doomed to fail. Or, you know, you go into a relationship, it's lovely, and then you start to pick at it or pick arguments or, you know, and then it it fails. You make it fail because... Yeah. Yeah, you're sabotaging yourself. It's it's, you know, and that can come from a place of fear as well. You know, yeah. I think again, a little bit of kindness. You know, be a little bit kind. You're doing this because you're scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that as well, that whole thing about sabotaging relationships or or starting a business and not doing what you need to do and sabotaging that. That's coming from a place of unworthiness as well, often, isn't it? God, who who am is. I to think I can have a relationship with a nice person yeah who am I to think I can have a successful business yeah. yeah who am I to think I can be slim and healthy yeah you know so it may come out in in ways where you know you don't exercise even though you know you want to and know that you know you could because it would be better for you or you don't eat the right foods eating the wrong foods binge eating yeah. um you know not going for an interview that you know that you're, you know, worthy of getting that job, but not going for the interview or not preparing for the interview. And then, gosh, you failed. Well, surprise, surprise. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And it can be so deeply buried, you don't even realise you're doing it. Yeah. No, you're right. Most people won't realise they're doing it at all. No, not at all. Isn't it? If someone, hmm, I guess, I mean, the question I had was, how can we identify that we're doing it? But... Unless we really want to identify that we're doing it, we're never going to, are we? Probably not. Or somebody else might point it out to you. Yeah. you know, why do you do that? You've done that again. That's not healthy, is it? Yeah. You know, oh, you know, I wish you wouldn't do that because it's not working for you. Yeah. Um, you know, if your life isn't working for you, then it's probably not your environment. It's probably not your circumstances. You know, we all have tri- difficult times. Everybody has their stuff, but, you know, it it might be that your life isn't working for you because you're self-sabotaging. So I think that's worth looking at. But like I say, very often friends friends or family will point it out to you. But it's hard to do. I'm I'm thinking, I remember having someone work for me once and everyone who was brought in to work with them, it never worked out. And the one constant here was the person that they were bringing people in to work with because she was so difficult and, you know, in the end, I literally had to sit her down and say, well, there's one constant here, and that's you. These people have now gone on to have healthy working relationships in the new team we've put them in. So, you know, what can we do yeah. to help you to change the way that you're working with other people? Because, you know, you are the constant here. This It's obviously, yeah. or you can never say it's obviously you, but, you know, it's likely that it's something you're doing. And let's see how we yeah. can help you to move on. 
So it is a difficult one to do, much easier to do in the workplace than I think it is to do with friends and things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it is, it's all about protection. You know, the, the, the fundamental role of our subconscious is to protect us basically to keep us alive, to look for threats, to keep us alive and keep us away from anything it sees as a threat. So if you're scared of relationships or you've had a, a bad experience with a relationship or a past trauma, then you're going to pick unsuitable partners or you're going to completely mess it up when you do get into one. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, and if you've got past trauma, then you, you, you're trying to cope with it in the way, the only way you know, and, and that may you know very often isn't a healthy way yeah yeah I think I think if someone does identify it in themselves and they want to stop they really need to get help basically I think I think they do John I'm not saying that because I'm a therapist I'm mm-hmm. saying that because I've done it myself yeah. and I think it's very it literally is can't see the wood for the trees thing you know you can't see that you're behave- you're so used to this unhelpful behavior you're so used to being this way that it's hard to think that you can be another way or there is another way to be yeah no and I so, you know having you know you do need mm. yeah no having had therapy myself I, I completely understand with you we are mm. running out of time but do you want to explain to us very quickly what parts therapy is I will I love parts therapy Jill I use this for just about everyone so we like to think we're one basic being you know this is us a human being but actually we're made up of lots of parts if you like we have this internal family and like all families some parts get on better than others so when all of our parts are working nicely together we're we're nice and grounded we're nice and present we have all the resources and the skills that we need but due to experiences traumas things that happen to us sometimes some of these parts go a little bit rogue if you like and you know, they they act independently and they can be very strong and they can really drive some of these unhelpful behaviours. And so what I do when I'm doing parts therapy is we identify um, that part or parts. Sometimes it can be a bit like a garlic bulb. You know, there's lots of different cloves to it, lots of parts working together, is identify that part and then persuade that part to behave in a different way. And it's amazing how when I do parts, you never have to help people to identify the part. It's right there because they're using it all the time. It's driving them. And so going back is easy. And very often that part will be young. It'll be something that happened to the child in you. And that child part hasn't hasn't grown up with the rest of you, but it's still driving this unhelpful behavior because that's all it knows. Um, And so that's basically parts. So we get the parts then to work together to take on a different role. And it sounds very wacky. And if I recorded a session with somebody, it would sound quite wacky. But when you're doing it, it makes perfect sense. And it's very, very effective. Oh, I love the idea of that. That sounds amazing. Okay, Hazel, I know you offer a complimentary call to see if someone can work with you and you can work with them. How does that work? Um, well, if they go onto my LinkedIn profile or my Instagram profile and just send me a message or email me um, and I'll get back to them and we'll arrange that call. And then that is just to see if we're a good fit yeah. and if what they are struggling with is something that I can help them with. If not, I can direct them elsewhere. Um, if we are, then we can go on and, and work together. 
Brilliant. That's fantastic. Well, I will make sure all the links to your Instagram, your Facebook, your email address, your website, everything will be in the show notes. So if anyone wants to contact um, Hazel and find out if you could work together, then please contact her via one of the links that I'll be I'll be putting in there for you. Um, apologies if people heard dogs bark. They were very, very badly behaved today. They're normally quite good when I'm recording. But they've both been very badly behaved today. There so you are. Never work with children and animals, Jill. There you go. <laughs> I know. I'm hoping I can block some of it out when I edit. So, Hazel, thank you for joining us today. That's been fascinating. And You're um, very welcome. Look, see you soon. Thanks so much for listening to this week's show. Check out all the links to the resources mentioned in today's episode and all my freebies in the show notes. See you next time.